Hey guys. Hi everyone. Welcome back to Crimes Through the Times. I'm Lauren. And I'm Haley. And today Lauren will be telling us us about Ronnie Lee Gardner. Actually, can I just say to you guys that recently we were, because we just moved, we were, we're meeting new people and we were, we were talking to these girls and I was saying, oh, we have a podcast. And <laughs> like, okay, for those of you who had been listening since the beginning, Remember, we had a name change because we used to be Histories and Mysteries, and then yeah. we changed our name to Crimes of the Times. And literally, that was like the very, very like beginning. we had maybe two episodes yes. go out before that change. And that was when did we start recording in January? Mm-hmm. So the whole time it's been Crimes of the Times, and I was like, yeah, we have a podcast called the Histories and Mysteries, <laughs> and I. Will- Lauren's like, that's not the name of I our looked podcast. at her, I was like, what are you saying? I was like, wait, why did I, why did I just say that? It was so funny, though. Yeah. Well, so today's episode is about a man named Ronnie Lee Gardner, um, and he is actually the, like, last person to be put to death by a firing squad in U.S., like, in the U.S. Oh, you know what? I think I have heard of him. So, it's, it was, like, kind of more recent, well, recent-ish. It's not, like, it's, it's been, I think, a little less than 10 years. Yeah. I think I've heard of him. I think I, I don't know if I, like, saw something about him when I was, like, researching someone else. I think I did. But, um, so I wanted to do, so, like, we've been saying we just moved to Utah, and I was, like, I want to find a case that is, like, based out of Utah. And obviously, like, top one to always come up is Ted Bundy. But he's more California. He, well, he's, like, California, Utah. He, like, was born and raised in Utah. When I think of Utah, I think of, like, Chris Powell. I think of, like, Elizabeth Smart. Or, wait, is Chris, Chris, wait, is it Chris Powell? Um. No, you said Chris Powell. I think of. No. Josh Powell. I said Chris Watts. Oh, what the heck is the name? Is it? It's it. Josh no, Powell? it is Josh Powell. Yeah. Josh Powell. I think it's Josh Powell. Yeah. That story wrecked me. Maybe cause... we can tell all these ones. You guys like, if you're listening, comment or send us a DM and just request something. If you have any like cases that you've heard of, don't know a lot about, or like you just want to hear us talk about it, like, tell us and we'll cover it. So, because sometimes we need ideas. Yes. Um, so, anyway, this guy, like, firing squad is not a normal thing uh, to be executed by. It's, like, right now, the only way you're executed is really by lethal injection. Um, and and then... This firing squad's kind of scary. But I, yes. isn't it, like... And actually, Utah, I think, was the, is the only state in the U.S. to actually have de- executed people by firing squad. And there's only been three people that have died that way. Like, in the entirety like, of the like United in, States. Like in prison. I'm sure that there's other ways, like, like, um, I don't know, more military maybe? I have no idea. But that's what I heard. Not completely sure because I don't know. I don't know all the stats. I don't have all the numbers. Really, only three people died by firing squad? So, Ronnie Lee Gardner was born January 16th in 1961, and he was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, And his childhood is 
probably like it's really really sad um so he was the youngest of seven kids um and like all well, so it was the opposite of tilly who's the oldest of seven yes kids. so both of his parents um were alcoholics and like even during like his mom's pregnancies she drank throughout all of them and she just like they were both like and i think their dad was kind of like abusive like Wait, he was, when was he born 1961 and he's the youngest yes okay i i think back in the the 60s i think that... people still the, well but it was like bad like it wasn't like you just drank yeah, it was yeah. like she was like she was like an alcohol full on alcohol yeah like, drinking like a ton and probably had fetal alcohol babies. Yeah. So, um, like, their dad was abusive, and, like, he left when Ronnie was one and a half years old. And that left... And because his mom is, like, can't even take care of herself, she's just drowning herself in alcohol, his older sister is pretty much the one in charge, and she's only eight. And, Wait. like, this is the oldest... Seven kids. Is oldest of seven born, kids. Is he born yet? No. Yeah? Yeah. So the dad She's left. The oldest... How did she have... How does her first... How's her oldest child eight and she has seven kids? Like, have it every nine months? I'm just, no, I, I don't know. Is that physically... Is that... Can you do that? Is that mathematically possible? You can... I mean, you could have one every year. That literally sounds like the yeah. worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. How, so how is she how well what? she could have been eight or nine so i mean but that is still literally the worst thing i've ever heard um and then at about two years old um ronnie was found malnourished and wandering in nothing but a diaper um like just wandering around That's and so sad. like so he was taken in by the state people found him and they're like um this is terrible and so they took him in and he was just tossed around the um, foster care system and went to several different places and then ultimately he just like went back to his mother they gave him back and it still was not a good place to be and we'll get to why um but at four years old around the same time that he returns back to his mom he gets bacterial meningitis which is really bad like you can get like really bad fevers that yeah, will like, like brain, in your brain right? yeah you can like get such bad fevers that it causes brain damage or even death yeah so he did not die um obviously but um not yet not yet um but throughout his childhood he was sexually abused by one or more of his siblings, oh which is so terrible, terrible, which only, like, I can only imagine would just be because they learned it from, like, an older adult, like, you know, so, like, they were abused themselves, and then they abused their younger brother, which is so sad. Um, and then by 10 years old, um, Ronnie was addicted to drugs, and he drank alcohol. So he was, like, I think it said that he was, like, buying, like, marijuana, but he also did, like, other, like, harder drugs. As a 10-year-old, like, buying... How do you, like... How do you know how to get access to I have that no clue. Like, th they're... They're living on the street. They're... They're just... They're children of the city. That's so sad. Um... And this in Salt Lake? Yeah. But I'm... Like, he moved around, but he's, like, still in Utah. Like, I don't know. 
They are moving around. There's even some times where they would go out to Wyoming, but I don't think he ever lived out there. Um, but it's all in the Salt Lake area. But then Ronnie and his brother, um, Randy, were arrested around um, this time for stealing cowboy boots, and then they were taken to juvie. For stealing cowboy boots? Yes. Dang. So, you can see that, like, drugs, alcohol, now they're stealing stuff. That's I know. Just... The worst thing that they could ever do. Steal cowboy boots. I know. Not good. Straight to juvie. Straight to jail. Okay, so, Ronnie said that um, his father, Dan, um, which he was something else. He's he, a piece of work. Yeah, he came and took Randy home, but then he left Ronnie. Like, Rip. Yeah. And Dan would often tell him, like, like Ronnie, that he thought he wasn't his son and that he was like, I I know that your mom was with other people. Oh my goodness, it's so sad. It's n- you're not mine. You're not, like, I'm not your dad. And, like, he told him this as, as a young kid. Like, so he's like, who is my dad? So it's really sad. And I don't think, I don't think he ever knew if he had a different dad. Yeah. Um. But he was just always told that, so he, like, never felt like he was wanted anywhere. That's so sad. Yeah. This is such a sad... It is. Life. I don't know what Ronnie does, I feel, but I feel really bad for him. I mean, so, I still feel like... I mean... Yeah, you can feel bad for the kid. Like, yeah. once they're adult, oh like... Gosh. I'm scared. So then Ronnie's mom remarried, and, like, he's living with his mom again. Um, she remarries and to a man named Bill Lucas, and they end up having two more children, which, oh gosh, like, so that's a, a total nine of nine kids. kids. Um, I can't. Like, that's, I mean, I'm not happy with that. Good, good on you guys. Yeah. And so, Bill, just like a backstory on him, he was incarcerated in Wyoming in 1968. So, this was before they got married. But, um, at least I think. Do you know why? Uh, yeah, it's for, he's, he's a little burglar. He likes to steal things. Well, so, so Ronnie's mom has, has great taste in men. Yeah, obviously. Um. She knows how to pick them. But, Bill liked to enlist the help of, um. The kids? Of the kids. To help him burgle or burgle people? Yeah, burgled. Burglarized? I don't know. Burgle people? I think it's... Burgle. 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 Uh, it sounds like a fake word. I know, it does. I want to say rob, but that is when you threaten people. Yeah. But they... I. So, what they did is, um, Bill would... Like, they'd find houses where they wa- that they wanted to steal from, and they'd... The kids would be on the lookout, and then he would go in and steal a bunch of stuff. Oh, okay. Um... And, like, Ronnie admired him so much. He thought he was the coolest guy ever. He, I mean, he could get into anywhere and steal things. And, but he stole pretty cool stuff, too. Yeah. Um, and that was, like, in his early teens. And. So, Bill's a great example. A great example. So, he, um, Ronnie Gardner, he was, like, in and out of juvie, in and out of different, like, correctional facilities, because, like, the cops had him on their radar, because, like, he was doing drugs as a little kid, and then now he's, like, helping his stepdad steal a bunch of stuff, so, um, he was in an involuntary 
um, commitment at Utah State Hospital in Provo for a while. Um, and he, like, apparently, he said that, like, he was, like, small, and so he had to fight to defend himself and earn respect there. Yeah. So, I don't know. But then while he was at Utah State Industrial School in Ogden, Utah, um, Ronnie was visited by a guy named Jack Statt, and Jack was a friend of his brother, Randy. And this is so terrible, but, like, Jack met Randy and at a bus stop, and Jack ended up paying Randy to do stuff. Okay. Some to... sexual favors. Yeah. Very disgusting. And this, they're literally young, like, they're young teens. Oh, is Jack an old... Yeah. No, no, no. Um, he's, like, I don't know his exact age, but he's... He's, like, an adult. He's an adult. And okay. they're younger teens, early teens. Oh, okay. Early to mid-teens. I don't know how, exactly how much older Randy is um, than Ronnie. He's, he's, yeah. Um, so then... Ronnie was released from school in 1975, um, and he was like, oh, I'm gonna go stay with my brother and Jack, because they were living together at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, so then Jack Stat became a foster parent to, um, Ronnie and Randy, Ew. and it's so disgusting. So they pretty much were like, sex trafficked in this house. Like, like, Jack would do stuff. There were, like, other people that were coming in and out of the house doing stuff. And they were being paid for this. So, like, Ronnie didn't see anything wrong with it. He was like, this is just my job. Like, I'm just, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And he, uh, it's so sad because he said that, um, like, he's like, Jack was a good man, he tried to help us out, he said that it was the most stable living condition he's ever had. That's literally the saddest thing ever. I know. Um, so, like, after this, like, he was, he kept going to this industrial school that I mentioned earlier, and he met a woman named Deborah Bischoff. Debbie. Um, yeah, Debbie. Um, and they met at a Salt Lake City apartment complex, um, where Ronnie's mom lived, and they fell in love, and, or at least what they thought was love, I guess. I don't, I don't know if he knows what love is, which is sad. Um, but they had a daughter in May of 1977, so he was 18 years old. And then they had a son in February of 1980, which makes him 21. Um, and this was with, like, Deborah, so yeah. same woman. But then he was convicted of robbery, and he was sent to Utah State Prison literally the same month. So February 1980, like, same month his son was born. So he had to go off to jail. Is that the one in Bluffdale, Utah State Prison? Um, I, yes, it's, uh, it is. It's the one that's, 
Yes. That one actually just closed, guys. Yeah, the permanent clo- we yeah. closed. It's permanently closed. They moved them to another area. I'm not can't remember where, but that prison is now empty. Which is kind of interesting. It's probably haunted. It probably is haunted. They're gonna build like houses on top of Ew. it. Ew. <gasps> yeah, that's what Becca told me. You know who else was there? Ted Bundy. He spent a while at that prison. So he was in Utah State Prison. Yes. But this is very interesting. There's not a lot of escapes that happen in prison. Well, I mean, there's a lot of attempted escapes. I feel like they all happen to Alcatraz. Well, he successfully escaped this prison, which is maximum security, um, on April 19th, 1981. And he, so he, like, um, he, like, I, he, like hopped a fence pretty much uh, i Dang, don't want to say hop i seen that fence um and apparently he was also on meth when he did this oh, like they they smuggled in and like he was addicted to like meth and cocaine and so sad. i can't remember the other drugs uh all the all the stuff. other crazy the, the hard drugs ones. yeah the scary ones um but he, like, they smuggled in meth, and he did it, and then he was, like, a uh, full-on human monster and just, like, jumped over a fence, yeah, pretty probably, much. Yeah, probably, like, actually physically jumped over the fence, being all that stuff. Yeah, so, um, while he was doing this, he was shot, well, not while he was, um, hopping over. So, he ended up, um, he goes over to Deborah's house, and he's, like... Wait, he was shot? Yes, but I, I, I... You went, went too far I went, forward. I went too far forward. Okay, okay. So, that, that's in, like, two seconds. Okay. So, he goes over to Deborah's house, which is his baby mama. Yeah, baby mama. And, um, he's like, I know that you've been with some other guy. Oh, my gosh. And apparently got wind of it, which, okay, so. That's what he's like. In one, she cheating on me? I'm gonna break out of prison and go yeah. yell at her. Well, in one reference, I saw that he believed that she was cheating and then another one it says that it like he believed that it was like rape it was non-consensual on her part oh so so someone attacked her yeah so he i don't know which is true either like he either jumped over the fence to be like to save her or or to like be mad at her yeah i'm not exactly sure why so in um so he ended up like getting really mad and he goes over to this guy's house whether it was like consensual or not he like luring a bobbin he takes a gun <laughs> and he's like about to like shoot this guy and he ends up getting shot in the neck tr- while he was like trying to kill him but he by by the gun he- yeah um they're fighting over it or something or he shoots himself in the neck? No, he did not shoot himself. Someone else, yeah, someone else shot him. It was, I don't think it was a guy, though. He was, yeah. But then in February of 1983, um, he was, like, the ringleader in this disturbance um, in the jail or in the prison um, where inmates were barricading a cell block and oh. then starting fires. Oh. So, that was kind of... I've seen that in, like, the movies and stuff. I know. When Criminal Minds, when all the doors open. Yeah, it's a scary episode. I know. It makes me think of um, Logan Lucky and they start a, a little baby fire and that movie's good. You should watch it. So, then, like, he... I don't even know. He's, like, 
he's like a superhuman on drugs because he like no fear. He's just going trying to escape everywhere. Probably like PCP because that stuff people are literally nothing. Nothing can stop them. They're invincible. <laughs> well, on August sixth of nineteen eighty four, um, Ronnie escaped from custody at the University of Utah Hospital. Um, he, so what happened was, in jail, he's like, I hurt myself, I am sick, or, like, something like that. He starts, like, throw, like, he's saying that he's, like, throwing up, and probably making himself throw up, you know. And he, they take him to the University of Utah Hospital, and then, while he's there, all of a sudden, he's alone with a single guard, and he's, like, let me go. And he um, forced this man, a transportation officer named Don Levitt, to no, Don. unlock his shackles and was like, um, I guess, you know, if the doctor comes back, I'll have to kill you both. And so then, like, Ronnie Gardner, he ends up striking Don um, so hard that he literally, like, his face is, like, he needed wires to reconstruct what? it. Like, That's he... That's so sad. Well, it's, like... No, Ronnie, I was rooting off, for you. Uh, he, like, ripped off half his face, pretty much. No, I was rooting for you. I was hoping that you would get over your drug problems, and now yeah. you beat someone. So, then, Gardner ends up, he, like, goes outside, like, he's escaping. He... <laughs> there's this medical student... Um, named Mike Lynch, and like, he, like, shows up on his motorcycle. He's, like, about to start his shift, you know, chilling. And then this guy, this crazy lunatic, comes out, and he, like, hops on the back. He's like, take me to your apartment. And, no! And Mike's like, okay. I would have just, I would crash. The, I'd, I, if I was Mike, I'd be like, you don't have a helmet on? I have a helmet on? And I'd go crash the vehicle. Yeah. Well, he, like, pointed, he was pointing a gun on his back, and then on August 11th, um, a letter carrier was found in Levitt's firearm in a, or, no, uh, they found his firearm in a mailbox with a note from Ronnie that said, here's the gun and wallet taken from the guard at the hospital. I don't want to hurt no one else. I just want to be free. So, that's what he said. Okay. Um, but then, like, it literally just keeps getting crazy. He just, like, keeps going. So, then on October 9th, 1984, he's back out again, trying to rob a place called Cheers Tavern in Salt Lake City, and he was under the- Cheers Tavern? That makes me think of the show Cheers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's under the influence of cocaine- and he ended up shooting the bartender oh. named Melvin John Otterstrom oh in the face. <gasps> and, in the face? And then he killed, like, that killed him. And, um, apparently he got less than $100 from that robbery. Like, that's how much, there was not a lot money of money to get. Um, but apparently, like, family members of... Oh, sorry. Apparently, family members said that Ronnie had attended um, Melvin Otterstrom's funeral and what? pretended to be a childhood friend. No! 
So that's kind of that's really sketch. That and, is sketch. Like what what are you doing, fam? Like no, you shoot oh this guy gosh. and then you're like, oh yeah, we went to grade school together. No. Oh. Sorry, I said grade school. I think I've been watching a little too much British stuff. We were the one thing that we watched there. They said grade school was not British. That's true. Anyway, so um, the police then they like got a tip. They um, apprehended. Gardner, and then it was like three weeks after this whole incident at the home of his cousin. He's like hiding out there, and he's like trying to defend himself. He's like, No, I am. I mean, he did, he wasn't saying he's in the right, but he's like, This fight was just because, um, like Otterstrom like put up a fight, it wasn't like I didn't just shoot him like for no reason. Um, but... that's such a good reason to shoot someone. Yeah. But they investigated it, and they didn't find anything to support it, because, um, the way that, like, he was laying on the ground, he wasn't... To be shot in the face, like, he was, like, laying on his stomach, I think, or his back. Wait. I'm, I think it would be his back. He'd be shot in his face. Like, it was not in a way that it was, like, he could have just landed there. I don't know. Like, it wasn't, like, a... It was kind of odd positioning. So he, like, moved his body? Like, he made him get down on the ground. Oh, and then shot him. Yeah. Okay. Which, that's just what they assume, but he denies everything, so... I don't know. <laughs> um, he was held in custody, um, with a $1.5 million bail. Oh, so they got him? Yes. Um, they got him a few... Yeah, a few weeks after this whole ordeal. And... Um, his getaway driver, who was a man named Darcy Perry McCoy, Darcy testified against him. Which getaway drivers like the, I just, I just think of the Taylor Swift song when I think of that, and yeah, I love that. Isn't song. that a song about Tom Hiddleston? Yes, I love Tom Hiddleston. It's a really good song. That's like one of the things that everyone's depressed that didn't get a music video. So Taylor, if you're listening, please release a music video. How amazing would it be if Tom Hiddleston's in that music video? That'd be so good. I like I, when she re-records. Yeah, I feel like that'd be an icon behavior because I can see them both doing that. Do you remember when he used to wear iHeart TS? Yeah, I remember shirts? calling my mom when I found out they were dating, and That's I called cringe. my mom, and I was like, I. Taylor Swift, I hate her. She's dating Tom Hiddleston. I, like, despised her because of that. And I was, like, I vibed with all the people who had... I've reformed. I've changed my ways. But I would... I vibed with all the people who would post, like, comment snake emojis on her stuff. I'm just glad you're being honest. I am honest. I'm not, I'm not a fake person. I'm not gonna be like, I've been a Taylor Swift stan this whole time. I love her so much. No, That's I good. literally have gone through phases where I did not like her. I'm in my phase of... I think she's cool, so. Yeah. And Kanye West is nasty. Yeah. Boo. Um, don't come at me, Kanye. I'm not important enough to come after. He starts posting about you on on Instagram. That'd like be so He, funny. like, takes screenshots. He's like, this person is of the devil. I don't even know. He's crazy. <laughs> that would be so funny. Honestly, I'd be like, <laughs> I, I, good thing I'm private on Instagram. Um... Okay, so this one's really crazy. Another another esca- escape story. 
Um, How is he? He's so slippery weasel. I know. During the trial um, for the whole robbery gone bad, I yes. guess the murder of, of Don. Of no, not Don. Of um. Oh, Don's the. Yeah, of Melvin Otterstrom. Yes, I can't remember. I I can't ever remember his name. Melvin. 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 Melvin's the name of the. Is Melvin the the zebra? No, the. I have no idea. The giraffe from... Oh, maybe. From, um... Madagascar? Yeah. It sounds very familiar. I think so. Um, so, on April 2nd, 1985, Ronnie Gardner attempted to escape, like, the custody. Um, he had a smuggled revolver that was, like, he was... So, he was in the Metropolitan Hall of Justice in Salt Lake City... He had a smuggled revolver with him. He tries to escape. Did Do we know who smuggled him? No. Okay. But, well, they they don't know who, but they know that it was, well, they, they have theories that it was through the underground parking lot, like, passed to him while he was escorted into the courthouse. So, but then also some people... I, I don't know. Some of my resources... There was a podcast that I was listening to that, like, apparently had way more information. I don't know how much of this is true, but they said that it was, like, this woman that liked him or something. But I don't... it I haven't read anything else about her. Okay, so. interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Like, she had a crush on him. She's like, oh my goodness, I want to help you out. I know. I, as I've, like, looked at, like, different articles and listened to different podcasts, I'm like, where are people getting this information? Like... Yeah. Huh. I have no idea. Don't trust anyone. Don't even trust our podcast. I know. Half this... I have no idea. No, don't, you can trust this yeah, most can. of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Um, but then, Ronnie Gardner was shot. Like, as he's trying to escape, he was shot in the chest by a guard... Oh my gosh. ...named Luther Hensley. Luther. And then he wounded... So, Ronnie then wounded an unarmed bailiff named George um, Kirk in the abdomen. Oh. And so he's, like, running around, going crazy. He confronts attorneys Robert Macri and Michael Burdell, and he, like, points a gun at, at them and, like, kind of threatens them, and then one of them sees it, is like, oh my goodness, what do you have? And then Ronnie sh- shoots him in the eye. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Literally crazy. Um, he dies like 45 minutes later. Um, and then he threw the gun away and he's like, don't shoot at me, I don't have a gun. So then like, he was apprehended he tried to get rid of the evidence. He was taken to the University of Utah Health Services, um, and he was, like, listed in serious condition, but he recovered, but then the, the other man, like I mentioned, he died 45 minutes later in surgery at Holy Cross Hospital. And, um, the other guy, uh, the bailiff that was unarmed, He was listed in critical condition at the LDS hospital, but he survived surgery. Um, But then, later on, 
um, it was said that, like, he died from his injuries, like, I think, like, 10 or 11 years later. Oh. Like, that's what his family was like. You did this, you know. Oh. So, yeah. It just had long-lasting effects. Um... So, during the search of the courthouse, a bag of men's clothes was found in the basement under a women's restroom sink, and they... Maybe he did get helped by a woman. I think so. Well, so, <clears throat> I don't know about the gun, like, how that exactly, um, but then the getaway driver, Darcy, was found unarmed and arrested, and that's who testified, um... And, oops. Oh my goodness. Me calling Darcy a guy, it literally is a girl. I'm so sorry. I was thinking Darcy was a girl. I was like, normally in other conditions, like, other than Mr. Darcy, yeah, I only know women I Darcy. I don't know. I just, for some reason, I assumed, and then I just, like, am reading these, and I'm like, it says her, and I'm like, I have not seen pictures. I can't confirm so yeah this is a girl oh my goodness sorry guys um no so darcy a woman um the getaway driver um so she was arrested then her sister um was sentenced to eight years in prison for delivering the clothes and delivering messages to prepare him for the escape okay so she probably also delivered him yeah i'm like I don't know where the gun came from. It just, like, appeared. And he's like, surprise! Um, so then... Sorry. So, they, like I said, they don't know who did, like, gave him the gun, but then the state corrections director, they were like, none of the prison guards who escorted him, none of them did anything. They're all cleared and fine. Um... But then the Salt Lake County Sheriff was like, the guy who shot Ronnie should have kept shooting until he was dead. And I don't know. I don't know police protocol. So I have no idea. Like, this could just totally be, like, personal preference type of deal. But I feel like that's not what they do. I have no idea. I literally have no idea. Okay. Um, I don't know I don't their know. protocol. I would, you're just supposed to stop the person. I'm yeah. pretty sure. So whatever means, that means. So he probably should have shot him a few more times until he was, like, on the ground or something. But he shot him in the chest, so I feel like you... Yeah, but he was, like, bleeding all over. He just ran away and was bleeding and then shot another guy in the eye. Um, but then, um... But then later, he was, while he was, like, wounded, I think this was after, though, he could have shot more times, after he was using this hostage, um, just a random, like, attorney or something, as a human shield. Um, so, this was, like, very well planned. Wait, you use someone as a human shield? Yes, but I don't have a name for that. He was then sentenced, he was diagnosed with, uh, Ronnie Gardner was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. That makes sense. Um, and then in June 1985, he pled guilty to the murder of Otterstrom and, um, received a sentence of life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. And he 
pretty much like he just wanted to get appeals or to tell like he just was kind of threatening also he just was like i didn't do anything get get me out of here he just want to be free that's Dude, he ruined that i know um but they did in october october of 1985 they the judge gave the option of a verdict for lesser offense of manslaughter if they found Gardner to be under mental or emotional duress when he shot Burdell, which was the man that was shot in the eye, the attorney. And... I mean, I feel like he was, because he's trying to escape. I know. Uh, he's... I feel like his whole life, he's in mental and emotional duress. Yes. But the jurors um, deliberated, and less than three hours later, they found him guilty of capital murder. And he was sentenced to death. And he was able to choose what way he died. And Ronnie decided, he was like, I want to... Do you know what his options were? It was either firing squad or lethal injection. Dude, lethal injection all the way. So he did firing squad. And I was listening to the podcast, the same podcast that... I have no idea. They were saying that lethal injections are not done by medical professionals. That they're done by, like, volunteers, which I am have yet to research and, like, find... Because I know, honestly, like, personal, I was always imagining lethal injection sounds like the least painful. It does. But they, like, apparently they mess up on it a lot and, like, it's... You can be in just major well, pain. They, would you rather get, like, like the old Sparky? Mm-mm. No. No. Would you rather honestly, get shot? No. Anyway, I... Like, this guy, he was trying to make his point. Anyway, I would not want to die from any of these ways. Like, no. that sounds terrible. Just don't commit crimes, guys, and hopefully won't be sentenced to death. Um, anyway, so in 2004, um, the so this is way back in 1985. In 2004... I thought you were going to say way back in 2004, and I was like, no, no, no. alive then? Are you telling us old? No, so legislators in Utah were like, no more firing squad, that's not a method of execution anymore. But anybody who was sentenced before that date in 2004, like, like Ronnie Gardner, mm-hmm. they could still select that option of the firing squad. So, so even though... Still, like, he's still alive in 2004? Yes. It's, like, for some reason, this took five ever. Everyone, like, sits on death row forever, and they, like, die on death row. Yeah. Basically. So, since 19... Oh, yeah. Since 1976, only two other people have been executed by firing squad in the United States, both in Utah. So, this is where it gets tricky between, like, prison, like, execution in prison and like, military, like, firing squad, there's a difference. So, this is just, I'm talking about prison. And, um, those two people were Gary Gilmore and John Albert Taylor. Wait, I think I know who Gary Gilmore is. Um, Gary Gilmore was... Wait, when was he born? Is he born on my birthday? No. No. He was born December 4th. Oh. What? Why do I think... He is... His last name just makes me think of Gilmore Girls. Um, so, that I don't have... He, like, committed two murders. Um, 
and was sentenced to the death penalty. That was in, like, let me... That was in 1976. Um, and then John Albert Taylor. These are both really old. Um, he was... His was, like, you know, carrying his concealed weapon or, like, burglary, um, sexual assault, murder, and it was really bad. Honestly, don't want to talk about it because it involves a child. Um, but that was it. But, um, apparently John Albert Taylor, which this is rough, he wanted to choose the firing squad. So Gary Gilmore chose the firing squad because he, I guess he just like thought it was the way to go. He's like, this is what I want to do. John Albert Taylor wanted to choose the firing squad to embarrass the state of Utah and he also wanted to embarrass, like, the Mormon church. Why? I'll get to that in a second. Um, but then, like, he... I don't understand how that's embarrassing. I'll get to okay. it. So, Ronnie um, Gardner, he, like, his attorney was like, he does not want attention. He doesn't want to embarrass anyone. He just wants to die this way. This is just his preference. Um, but his quote... Um, from 1985 when he was sentenced to death, he said, I'd prefer to die of old age, your honor, but if that ain't possible, I'll take the firing squad. So, that's what he says. Um, his, um, incarceration was Utah's then youngest inmate on death row. Um. Do you know how old he was? So. That's fine, you don't have to do math. Uh, yeah, I don't exactly know. I'm trying to think, because he was arrested when his son was born at 21, and then that was in 80, so he was 20... 20? 20, no, no, no. And then he was arrested in 85 again, so then he was... Did I just say he was 21? Yeah. So he's 24. 24? Yeah. So, he's pretty young. Um... Anyway, so, he, he did a lot of sketch stuff in a prison. Um, yeah, he did shiv someone with a pair of sunglasses, like, fashion from a pair of sunglasses, and... A pair of sunglasses? Oh my god. Yeah. Which, how do you get that? He got, um, that guy got nine puncture wounds in his face, mouth, arm, and chest, um, but he made a full recovery. And... Mm. Then, um, so then he said, um, Ronnie said that he, like, way back when he said that he didn't want to show, but he said that he preferred the firing squad because of his Mormon heritage, and, um, he felt like lawmakers were trying to eliminate the firing squad, and... That also, again, does make zero sense. Yeah, uh, but they also, they were kind of trying to, um, eliminate it because there was upcoming... 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. Oh, but so, I don't get why what his Mormon heritage has to do with the... So, the way that... um, I've never actually heard of this. It's very interesting. I was like, this makes no sense. I'm so confused. Um, some, like, people in, like, the Latter-day Saint religion, Mormon beliefs, they were taught that, like, murder... And, like, there's some crimes and sins that you commit that are so terrible so heinous that dying like or the blood of christ won't save you 
And that the only way you can be saved is by um, a blood atonement. What? Which means that your blood actually has to hit the ground. Like, you can't... If you die by Old Sparky, that's not, like, the blood atonement. Because you're not bleeding on the ground. I've never heard of this either. It's really weird. Um, So, they were, like... So, that's, like, why that guy, um, Taylor, he wanted to do this because he was, like, trying to embarrass everyone. He's, like, oh, my God, it's a blood atonement, blah, blah, blah. He wanted people to clean up his body off the ground. Ew. Um, so, which, what he did was nasty, so, you, he doesn't, you, anyway. But, like, pretty much the blood atonement is, like, you have to shed your own blood to pay for your own sins, so, it's just really interesting. I've never heard of this before, um, but it was weird reading about it. I was like, huh, uh, I'll have to look into this more. Like, But the day before Ronnie Gardner's execution, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is the Mormon church, um, they condemned the idea of blood atonement as a way of t- to salvation, and they released the following statement. They said, in the mid-19th century, when... Ret- um, rhetorical, emotional oratory was common. Some church members and leaders used strong language that included notions of people making restitution for their sins by giving up their own lives. However, so-called blood atonement by which individuals would be required to shed their own blood to pay for their sins is not a doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We believe in and teach the infinite and all-encompassing atonement of Jesus Christ, which makes forgiveness of sin and salvation possible for all people. Yeah, that makes way more sense. So, it was, like, really interesting to read, because I'd never heard of this, and I was like, what does this mean? Uh, it sounds like some, like, the fundamentalist yeah. thing. Um, but it sort of sparked a debate on, like, whether that's, like, well, talking about the blood atonement, but then also talking about, is the death penalty okay? And, like, is death by firing squad okay? He ends up on June 15th, 2010, um, Gardner ate his last meal. He had steak, lobster tail, apple pie, and vanilla ice cream, and washed it down with 7-Up. And then, um, so he wanted to do this 48 hours before his, um, his execution because he had taken on the Mormon faith and he wanted to start a 48-hour fast. Okay. Um, and during that fast, he was watching the Lord of the Rings film trilogy. That's amazing. And then he was also reading a book called Divine Justice, which is by, I literally can't remember how to say his name. It's, how do you say that? Uh, David Baldocki? Baldocki? I have no idea. I feel like I should know how to say that because I've I think I've read one of his books, I've but never it's like heard of him. it's like a crime book and it's like escaping law and so it's very up his alley. Um, but then right before his death, he was visited by his LDS bishop and his family, and like given a blessing and stuff. And then he walked into um, the room where he was to be executed, and. When he was asked if he had any last words, he said, I do not know. And then he was executed on June 18th of 2010 at 12.15 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time in the Utah State Prison in Draper, Utah. And he was placed in restraints on a black metal chair with a hood covering his head. Sandbags were arranged around him 
to absorb the ricochets, and then the firing squad was made up of five anonymous volunteers who were certified police officers, and they were aiming at a target positioned over his head, and... His heart. Oh, but over his heart. Thank you. Um, and then it's interesting because all of the different people that, like, volunteered, um, they... Their, rif- their rifles um, were selected at random and loaded with... I say one of them has a real one and the other has their blanks. Yes, all, like, it's like, well, no, one of them, all of them are really, I think it's... One of them was loaded with a non-lethal wax bullet, and so they would not know who was the yeah. one to fire the last shot. That's so. what, I, I, I just know that they're, like... They don't know who fired the, yeah. the fatal shot. I, I guess it's a, something for comfort or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and he said that, or not he, um, his defense attorney said, ultimately his children and grandchildren got their chance to express their love for him. I'm not sure Ronnie had a lot of love in his life. At least at the end there, he got that. And that is the story of Ronnie Lee Gardner and... Literally so crazy. That prison that they're going to build houses on, 100% is haunted. 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 And I just saw that at Ronnie's funeral, they played Freebird by Leonard Skinner. (laughs) I cannot. He was, he must be a wild child. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for listening and supporting our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Crimes Through the Times. And look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts.